Welcome to the Pelvic Power Podcast. I'm your host, Penny Peterson. If you live with pelvic pain, you have landed in the exact right space you need to be in. I'm a yoga teacher that helps people get out of their head and into their body through yoga and holistic living so that they can take back their power as well as harness their own inner power to make a change in their life. Here you will learn from myself, other pelvic power experts and advocates on how you can support yourself on your journey and make the journey so much easier. Welcome. Today we have the lovely Laura from Pelvic Physio by Laura joining us. Laura and I met online and that's how she became my pelvic physio and I am forever grateful. In today's episode, we talk about why she became a pelvic physio, the lack of pelvic health education, how knowledge is power, the menstrual cycle and how you can harness the power of it so that you can feel your best and so much more. This episode is jam-packed and I am so excited for you to learn more about your body and hear Laura share all of her wisdom with us. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Pelvic Power Podcast. I'm so happy that you are here and I'm so happy that we have my physio, the lovely Laura, on the podcast today. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so, so happy to have you here and I can't wait to dive into this conversation with you. Me too. First of all, why don't you tell us how did you become a pelvic physio? Why did you choose to go that route? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I was in high school, when I was 17, I started having stress incontinence. So I used to play competitive soccer. um, And this is stress incontinence is something that can be common with athletes, even if you have never had kids. Um, So that's basically leaking with activity or cough, laugh or sneeze. So for me, it was it was jumping. And I just didn't know that that wasn't normal or that there was something you could do about it, but it was embarrassing. Right. So I didn't really, I didn't tell anyone that it was happening. So I just cut those things out of my life basically to avoid having the symptoms and sort of carried on. And then I always also had painful periods. Um, I was put on birth control when I was like 15. Um, I remember my periods were so debilitating. I couldn't, like I would miss school and on birth control because I thought that was the option to help me manage my period pain. Um, And so I had a couple of those symptoms when I was a teenager. And then when I went to university, I started dealing with constipation, tailbone pain. Sometimes I would have pain with sex. And again, I didn't realize that these things just weren't normal. Um, And I did a kinesiology undergrad. It was a science degree. I took so much anatomy and physiology and I never heard about the pelvic floor. And then I went to physio school And again, in the first year of physio school, took a bunch of anatomy classes, never heard about the pelvic floor. And then in my second year of physio school, I took a women's health elective. So this wasn't a mandatory part of the curriculum. So not everyone in my class would have learned this information. And that was the first time I heard about the pelvic floor and, you know, leaking, painful sex, painful periods. And I just, I was like blown away, but I was also mad because I was like, As someone who has been through six years of school with so many anatomy courses, why have I never heard about these muscles before ever? Like it was, it was kind of infuriating. And so 
I um, decided that I was going to kind of pursue pelvic health as a field because I, I know how hard it is to suffer with these symptoms. And also, I just wanted to be part of changing the conversation so that people in the next generation, when they're 17, know that like, if you have painful periods, or if you leak, or if you have pain with X, or you can't insert a tampon, not only is that not normal, actually something that you can do about it. I love that. I love that. Uh, it makes me so mad too that it was just it was just an elective like that's insane mm-hmm. to me. I know like I know. know I can't believe that it's not standard anatomy I think now it's standard like anatomy in the course so at least every physio has to learn about it but I've come across so many healthcare professionals that just weren't taught about it in basic anatomy and yeah. it's crazy oh definitely definitely so that's when you decided that you wanted to become a pelvic physio yeah so I did it was born out of my own experience really um and and I'm super passionate about like not just being able to help people but also just changing the conversation because I'm a really big believer that knowledge is power and I think especially in sort of the era that we're in right now with um you know menstrual health women's health pelvic health is that in some cases, you have an opportunity to be more informed than your primary care provider, actually in most cases, I would say. And so what that means is that people have to do a lot of advocating for themselves versus um, having their doctor or you know their someone else on their healthcare team be like, hey, this is something that you can get help with. So I'm really passionate about just kind of spreading that awareness so people know what questions to ask and they know how to help them help themselves because right now the healthcare system's not set up in a way where that information is really like coming to people accessibly or freely. Yeah, no, that totally, totally makes sense. And let's talk about that. So you were mentioning painful periods and Mm -hmm. you didn't know that that was normal. So I really want to talk about the menstrual cycle today because I find that to be really, really interesting. And I know that you are super passionate about the menstrual cycle, menstrual health, things like that. So I would really, really like to dive into that today. So first off, can you just explain to us what is a menstrual cycle? Like, what is that? So the menstrual cycle is the uh, course that like, and when I just want to say as a disclaimer, before we get further into this, that anything I'm talking about today in terms of like women or females, I'm using like biological sex. Mm -hmm. So biologically females go through a cycle that can vary in terms of the number of days but let's just say on average it's over the course of a month and that entire cycle is your menstrual cycle and so it consists of four different phases so a lot of times when we think about menstruation we think about just our period which is the phase where we actually bleed but your cycle actually has a phase over the course of the whole cycle, um, four different phases. And it's important to understand what each phase is and how it works. So if you were, for example, um, tracking your cycle, your menstrual cycle, day one would be the first day of your period. If you're someone that gets spotting, like brown spotting in the lead up to your period, that's technically the end of your last cycle. So day one is the first day that you actually bleed. And then your period can last from anywhere from like four to seven days, I would say. 
Um, and that's the menstrual phase. So that's the first phase. So what's happening during that phase is your uterine lining is shedding. Um, most of us normally aren't having a great time. Your hormones, estrogen and progesterone, which are your two main sex hormones, tend to be lower during that phase of the cycle because that's that drop in hormones is what triggers the endometrial lining to shed. After the menstrual phase is done, then you move into the follicular phase. Your follicles, which house your eggs, are being stimulated by your hormones to grow in your ovaries. And so this is normally the phase where I like to compare the menstrual cycle phases to the seasons because I feel like it kind of makes sense in terms of like, we kind of know how we feel in every season. So menstrual, the menstrual phase of your cycle is kind of like winter. So we're feeling a little like low on energy, feeling a little more down, maybe low mood, more fatigue. So we kind of feel a little bit more of that inward focus. When you move into the follicular phase and those follicles are starting to grow, that's like spring. So it's almost like you kind of have a bit of this awakening. You feel maybe like you can see some some hope, some yeah. light. You feel maybe <laughs> a little bit more energy. Yeah, you just you're feeling like sort of like a new woman, you know? Yeah. But that's because you're going towards ovulation. So your your hormones are triggering the growth of the follicles within your ovaries as you lead up to ovulation. So the follicular phase goes from the end of menstruation until you ovulate. And ovulation typically occurs midway through your cycle. So anywhere from kind of like 12 to six, day 12 to 16, 12 to 18, depending on how many days your cycle is. Um, and in the follicular phase, the predominant hormone is estrogen. So estrogen is what's really kind of rising during the follicular phase to stimulate that follicle growth. Then you get to the ovulatory phase and it is the shortest phase of the menstrual cycle, which is sad because this is like summer when we're feeling like our absolute best selves. Really so sexy um, and can so do sexy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> feeling like you can conquer the world. Um, and so in the ovulatory phase, what happens is um, one of your follicles has grown to reach maturity. And when that is um, reaches maturity, it releases the egg to, to be fertilized. And so that's why we're feeling kind of normally like sexy, ready to go, um, feeling like we look great, our skin's glowing, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, and that phase is really only about 48 hours. So your estrogen is going to peak. You release that egg for ovulation. And then that is sort of, if you were trying to conceive, that would be like your fertile window. So that egg lives for 24 hours um, to potentially be fertilized by sperm. And then after the ovulatory phase, we move into the luteal phase, which is normally the phase where I know you and I are both on the, the same page. I actually feel like the luteal phase is my least favorite phase. I feel better by the time menstruation comes around. Same. For like day two of my period, I'm like, okay. I'm starting to feel like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So in your luteal phase, this is kind of like fall, which I know a lot of us love fall, but this is like, this is like November fall, you know, like you're, you're feeling a little lower energy. Um, things are starting to kind of like low mood. You, you might start to feel kind of tired, kind of grumpy, some anxiety. Um, and so what's happening during this phase is that your corpus luteum, which is the structure that would grow to support um, a fertilized egg is being um, fueled to grow by progesterone. So progesterone is your other sex hormone and it is sort of rising and peaking during your luteal phase. So after you ovulate 
The other thing that's happening in the luteal phase is that your endometrial lining is thickening to prepare for potential implantation of a fertilized egg, which is why if there is no fertilization, then that lining needs to shed. So typically in the luteal phase, this is when we tend to get a lot of those PMS type symptoms. So um, like, you know, mood swings, anxiety, fatigue, um, some people get acne, breast tenderness, all that kind of stuff, um, especially because progesterone can be a little bit harder of a hormone to, to kind of nail down, especially um, in terms of kind of having a good balance of hormones than estrogen. And so sometimes there can be um, things that we can do to actually improve how we feel in this phase. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. Um, but that's kind of how the menstrual cycle works. So then after the luteal phase, if you don't have fertilization, so you're not pregnant, you move back into the menstrual phase and your next cycle starts again. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like there's so much information in just that little snippet. Mm -hmm. and, and like, I know that myself and many of my listeners, like we're trying to learn our menstrual cycle. But just like you talking about it, I'm just like, oh my God, there's so much information. And I've read so much about it. So I understand that people get really, really confused sometimes about what actually is going on. And it's amazing that we're talking about this because this is not something that we're learning in school, which we should learn. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> we're just like mad throughout this entire episode. Why are we not learning these things? <laughs> I know. But, we know, but you learn in school what an isosceles triangle is. And obviously that comes into daily life all the time but your menstrual cycle why would you need to know that yeah exactly it's not important our health it's not important <laughs> not at all not at all so I have a couple follow-up questions on the menstrual cycle yeah so you go from your period to your follicular how do you know when you go into your ovulation phase I'm sure that many people would love to know that that's a great question. So um, there's a couple different ways that you can tell. So first of all, the increase in energy is a big one. So you just, you'll start to notice that shift. And it, if you think about the follicular phase into the ovulatory phase, your energy is kind of going up and sort of peaking. So you'll just start to notice that you feel less agitated. Your partner's breathing doesn't bother you. You don't care where you maybe go out to eat you're feeling like you're sleeping better, you might have more energy. So that's one way. Another way is with cervical mucus. So this is actually a physiological way that you can kind of monitor throughout your menstrual cycle. So sorry, that that's discharge, right? That's what people would. Explain. Yeah, that's what people would call discharge. Yeah. Yeah. So around ovulation, what happens is you get a, a large increase in discharge um, cervical mucus and it can look, it can be more like sticky. Um, so if you inserted your fingers into your vaginal canal, you would see that there would be like way more kind of like clear white discharge and it would feel like sticky. So you could almost pull it apart between your fingers or it just honestly feels like you're like, why is there so much discharge in my underwear every time I go to the bathroom? So that's another way to tell that you're ovulating. I like to walk commando and I like to have a long skirt on because I love to, you know, air my, air my vulva out. <laughs> and then when you're ovulating, you just like all of a sudden have like, so discharge, much like on. on your thigh. You're like, okay, I'm just going to go to the washroom here and wipe it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's another way to tell. The other way, if you wanted to be really specific is you could monitor basal body temperature. So basal body temperature um, will rise 
post ovulation. So this is something that you can only tell that you've ovulated retrospectively. So it's not going to give you like a heads up that it's coming. But if you track your cycle over time, you'll start to be able to notice the trend of when you ovulate. So then you could know like, okay, I'm sort of entering that ovulatory phase because I typically ovulate around day 16, for example. Um, so basal body temperature is something that you need a specific thermometer for because it needs to measure two decimal places. Um, so you can order them on Amazon. They're not that expensive. You do have to take your basal body temperature first thing in the morning when you wake up. And ideally you're waking up around the same time every day. Um, because there's a lot of things that can obviously influence your basal body temperature. Like if you've been drinking, how you've slept, you know, what you've eaten, stress, things like that. So in order to kind of like be consistent with it, you want to, um, like when I was tracking my, my basal body temperature, I had my thermometer next to my bed and I would just wake up and take my temperature before I would get out of bed. Um, and then I would record it in an app. And over time you can start to see the trends. If you also wanted to know, like really specifically, you could do ovulation test strips, so you can get test strips that you pee on while you, you have to dip your, dip them into your urine. This is something you would have to do in the afternoon. And what these test strips are testing is luteinizing hormone. So luteinizing hormone is one of the um, hormones that sort of plays a role in our menstrual cycle. And luteinizing hormone is going to peak and then you'll ovulate within 36 hours. So sort of around like one or two days after your menstrual cycle, your menstrual phase ends, you can start um, checking your luteinizing hormone with ovulation test strips. And then when your luteinizing hormone reaches the peak, that's how you know that within the next 36 hours, you're going to ovulate. So that would be a way that you could tell before ovulation. So, and I think like, regardless of whether or not conception is your, your goal, a lot of people will use ovulation test strips for conception, but I just think it's really important to understand when your body is going through what phase. So I would highly encourage, even if you don't plan to conceive, don't have a goal to conceive, to just learn what your natural rhythms are. And it's something that you would need to track for at least three months in order to sort of see your consistent pattern or your average pattern. Mm, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. And then moving on to the next question that I have, how do you know when you've left your ovulatory phase and walk into your luteal phase besides feeling like a freaking grumpy grumpy sin <laughs> yeah so a couple ways so if you saw that basal body temperature peak that would tell you that you have ovulated but you're past ovulation so the basal body temperature normally rises two to three days post ovulation and so if you were tracking that that's one way that you could know again the change of discharge so you're going to start to notice that that discharge is present maybe for like kind of four or five days in your fertile window. And then after you ovulate, that discharge can come, will come back down. So you're not going to have as much discharge present when you wipe, probably not getting enough discharge in your underwear. And if you do, it's not going to be that like sticky sort of consistency that it is when you ovulate. So that's another good way to tell. Um, and then again, like if you're doing something like test strips, you would kind of know like, Okay, if you got your luteinizing hormone peak, probably like three days later, you're in your luteal phase. Like you're not, you, that egg doesn't live for more than 24 hours. So if it's 36 hours that you ovulate after your peak on your strip, then that's a day and a half. You know, the egg lives for a day and then you're kind of moving into that luteal phase. Okay, great. 
How interesting. So bringing this back to if you live with painful periods, would you say that it's important to track your menstrual cycle to support yourself? I think anyone should be tracking their menstrual cycle regardless. But yeah, especially if you live with painful periods, because some people might be listening to this and being like, I don't live my best life during ovulation. I feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And that is really common um, with painful conditions, for example, like endometriosis, a lot of people have a lot of pain during ovulation because of those endometrial lesions. So yeah, if you live with, with painful periods, it's still important to track your cycle because you might not always feel, um, sort of the way, like I described going through those seasons, like you might feel bad for three out of four weeks and that makes it hard to know where you're at. And also like learning how to, um, to sort of live and support yourself for where you're at in your menstrual cycle can be really life-changing because if you can actually kind of like optimize nutrition, sleep, hydration, exercise for where you're at in your cycle can be a really valuable tool because menstrual cycles, I know we like to complain about our periods, but it's actually kind of a superpower for women in my opinion, because the way that your hormones move through this synchronous cycle, um, if you learn how to sort of like optimize or live for the phases of your cycle instead of trying to like live the way that men live which is like they can do whatever they want every day because their cycle goes through in 24 hours you can improve your health really substantially for for women so I think this is something that we need to start teaching women more like we're different from men and that's awesome we're awesome And we can learn how to like optimize our health over the course of our menstrual cycle, instead of trying to like force ourselves to feel and be the same every single day. And so I think if you live with painful periods, or if you don't live with painful periods, learning where you're at in your cycle, so you can learn how to support yourself during that phase can actually really change your symptoms and change some of your period pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's so true. I find for me something that I've been struggling with because I I work with my menstrual cycle and it's just the fact that accepting that I'm not the same every single day. It's hard. Yeah, it is hard because you want to, you know, be able to do the things that you're trying to do. But now I'm just like learning to schedule all of my events around my cycle so that I will get the most out of everything and then take the time to really rest right before my period. We also live in a society of like hustle culture. So we don't really tend to associate like rest and, and, um, doing less with productivity or whatever. And so in the phase, like, for example, in your luteal phase, that's what you need. Like you need more rest. You need less intensity. You need less plans. You need less intense exercise, but we've been conditioned to feel like that's lazy Mm -hmm. and that's like unproductive. But the thing for women is that you will actually feel better if you allow your body to go through those phases. And this is what I mean where like we're different from men because men don't need that in the same way that women do because they have different hormones and but i think that that's really cool that women can like go through these phases and be good at and like intense in one phase and be able to rest in another phase i think that's actually a really important skill um and women can kind of harness the function of their hormones 
to get good at that. But it, you're right. It is about like ex- coming to that acceptance and like understanding that resting and and doing less does not make you a lazy or bad person. Yeah, I know. I feel like people in this society, it's like we're bragging about the person that is doing the most and not like resting. <laughs> yeah at all I'm like can we just move away from that please and thank you yeah the other place too where I think this is really important to talk about is exercise Mm -hmm. so for example like women who want to reach certain fitness goals you're going to get the most out of your body in your follicular and ovulatory phase and so that's when you want to try to go for your personal bests And I, when I talk about this with my patients, like I've talked to so many women who are like, yeah, like the PBs that I can get when I ovulate, like personal bests, whether that's running, weightlifting, whatever is bar none compared to any other time in my cycle. And I'm like, yeah, because your hormones are like superpowers and you can do that when you ovulate, but you're actually going to get more out of your ovulatory and follicular phase if you can actually rest during your luteal and period phase, instead of trying to push your body every week, mm-hmm. because your body then has that time to recover. And so the irony is, is that pushing yourself all the time could actually, it increases the stress on your body. It's not what your body needs for that phase. Whereas if you can like kind of plan your training where you have more of your like down training or off times towards the luteal menstrual phase and then you ramp up and sort of peak in your ovulatory phase well that's great I love that I have another question though because I know that many of the listeners they don't have their period they either they don't have their period or they're they've gone through menopause do they still have a cycle like the rest of us do that are on our period so if you're going through menopause no because you're sort of past that phase where your body is releasing eggs. And so whether or not we we like or want to acknowledge this, depending on your um, desires for reproduction or not, the entire female re- menstrual cycle is designed around reproduction. Mm-hmm. It's releasing an egg for that egg to be fertilized, prepping the body for the expectation of a fertilized egg when that doesn't happen, shedding. And so when you go through menopause, you're not releasing those eggs anymore. So your estrogen and progesterone are not going through that ebb and flow. Like I talked about early on where estrogen is high in the first half of the cycle, progesterone is high in the second half of the cycle. So you're not getting that, that fluctuation because you're not fertile anymore. You're not releasing any more eggs. So you may, you still do have like levels of estrogen and progesterone, but they're lower. And they're not ebbing and flowing through that same cycle. Um, if someone doesn't get a period and that's because of like um, hormonal birth control, like IUD or oral contraceptives, what's happening is, is that those oral contra- or those um, hormonal contraceptives are um, sort of managing your body's hormone levels. So estrogen and progesterone are not going through that ebb and flow. And basically the way that oral or hormonal contraceptives work is to prevent ovulation. And so that's how they work from the method of like preventing conception. So you're not going to have that estrogen peak in the follicular phase because you're not going to ovulate. And then you're not going to have that progesterone peak as much. And the period that you get when you're on hormonal contraceptives is what we call a withdrawal bleed. 
So it's actually a bleed because you stop your hormones. So if you take oral contraceptives, you know, like you have the three weeks and then you either have a week where you take nothing or the sugar pills. So that withdrawal of the hormones is what actually causes the bleeding to happen. It's not because the hormones have gone through that cycle. You've ovulated, you've had a lot of endometrial thickening and then no fertilization. So you shed. And so I think that's also an important thing to understand because you are still going to go through that cycle a little bit, but not in the same way because you're not ovulating. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just eating this conversation up. I love this conversation. <laughs> it's such a great one. So growing up, I know that we're not just growing up. Sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I'm like, oh my God, I have like really bad period pain. And they're like, oh my God, why are you not on the birth control and just skip your period? I feel like we're just taught not to like our periods. And like you're saying, it's a superpower. And I feel like if you're struggling throughout your period and stuff like that as well, just like starting to to sync with your cycle can really help you to connect with your body and appreciate it more for what it can do because they say that your period or your menstrual cycle is like the fifth vital sign or something like that yeah and that is so true too because if we're stressed we lose our period and it's like everything connects so it's not just your period by itself yeah I totally agree I think I think it's really important for women to And this is why I said earlier, like I would encourage anyone to track their cycle, regardless of whether or not you think you have pain or or hormonal concerns. That knowledge gives you power. And like you said, having a, a healthy period can be a marker of your overall health and vitality. Um, and so if you're like having irregular cycles or your period stopping and starting, then that could be a sign that something is going on that could be affecting your health and needs to be addressed. Um, And the answer to that might not just be like taking hormonal birth control to try to regulate your cycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so true. I love the work that you do. Thank you for doing (laughs) everything that you do for us. Thank you. Okay, so we talked about the hormone fluctuations throughout your cycle. What can you do to support your hormone hormones. So for example, if you're low in progesterone when it's supposed to be high or estrogen, what can you do to support those hormones? So hormones, um, so first of all, you can do a lot of like nutrition support. So you can do things like seed cycling. This is one that um, can actually be really powerful if you're consistent with it. So in the first half of your cycle and to support your estrogen, you would eat things like um, pumpkin seeds. In the second half of your cycle to support progesterone, you would eat like sunflower seeds or flax seeds. So you kind of fluctuate. So you would switch over after you ovulate. So that can be a really powerful way to help kind of get a better balance between estrogen and progesterone. Another really important thing is pooping regularly. So estrogen is actually um, like processed as like a leftover estrogen processed out in your stool so your body can get rid of it. So if you're not having regular bowel movements, sometimes what can happen is that estrogen can actually recirculate in the body and it can create symptoms like estrogen dominance. 
So we get a little bit of this imbalance between estrogen and progesterone. So making sure you're eating good amounts of fiber, making sure that you are drinking lots of water, um, moving, like exercising so that you can have regular bowel movements, getting things like a squatty potty if you feel like you can't empty, maybe seeing a pelvic physio if you're struggling with your bowels. Because that's a really, it seems like unrelated, but it's a really important way to maintain, especially that balance of estrogen, not letting it get too high. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do in terms of like tinctures and teas. And I know we're both huge fans of um, soulful tea blends. You've got your balanced tea going right now. So yeah, um, my that, face, I'm like, let's get the tea out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that can be a way to help you sort of like more natural herbs to kind of balance out those hormones or like balance out that menstrual cycle. Um, so there's lots of different things that you can do just at home. Like you don't necessarily need to go to a naturopath and take a bunch of fancy supplements. Like it can be as simple as um, just making some of those dietary changes. The other thing is that you can learn how to eat for your cycle. So in your um, follicular phase, making sure that you're having lots of pro follicular and ovulatory phase, making sure you're having lots of protein um, and focusing on when your body maybe needs more energy, kind of giving it more of that, like, you know, protein type fuel, fiber, keeping your bowels going, but good nutrition from that perspective. In the luteal phase, making sure you're sort of prepping for your period. So eating lots of like dark leafy greens, spinach, things to kind of like bring your iron up a little bit. Um, making sure that you're eating some more kind of like of that like nutritious like root kind of food you know like what you typically think about in the fall and then in the menstrual phase doing things like bone broth warm soups things that are going to help kind of like keep that energy up but lighter meals because you might not feel as hungry during your menstrual phase and that's normal so even like doing some of those types of minor changes and following sort of where you're at in your cycle and sort of trying to meal plan that way is important we talked about exercise so in the follicular and luteal phase, that's when you could do more like weightlifting, strength training, things like that. In the luteal and menstrual phase, things like yoga, lighter activities, more meditative type activities where you're not really kind of like pushing yourself as intensely, that can be a good way to support your hormones because even as good as exercise is, it's still a stress on the body. So if you're doing a lot of like stressful exercise in the luteal phase, that can be hard on your hormone health. And then another really important thing is blood sugar balance. So making sure that you're sort of trying to eat to maintain your blood sugar level. So a good source of protein and fiber to help keep you full, but making sure that you're eating sort of like every two to three hours throughout the day, not letting yourself kind of like go too long between meals to the point that you're feeling like hangry because blood sugar balance is really, really important for overall um, hormone health, especially if you had something, for example, like PCOS. I love that. Great. Thank you for sharing that. So that was a lot of information. What is one thing that the listeners can do, start to do today to support their cycle? Like the easiest thing that you would recommend someone to do? Poop every day. Poop every day. Increase. But if you can't, day. if you can't do that, seed cycling. Mm -hmm. Seed cycling is a pretty easy one to do every day, like just buy some pumpkin seeds, buy some flax seed for 14 days, throw some pumpkin seeds in with like yogurt, in smoothies, whatever. And then 
the next 14 days, or if you know where your cycle is at, follow your cycle. But if you don't know, just do 14 days of pumpkin seeds, 14 days of flax seeds. And then the other easy thing I would say to support your menstrual cycle, if you aren't already, is start tracking your cycle so you can learn it. Yeah, definitely. And that blends into like, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but just blends into like living with pelvic pain and tracking that along with your cycle and just yeah. see what's happening. Okay, am I going through a flare? What's happening with my hormones? Where am I in my, my cycle? It's so important too. And it's such an easy way to like, you know, take control back a little bit of what's going on in your life and feel more empowered as you were saying absolutely especially because if you live with pelvic pain and you know what's worse in your luteal phase then if you know when your luteal phase is coming then like you said maybe you don't make as many plans or you plan to be sort of more time at home so that you're sort of meeting your body where it's at and not feeling frustrated because you want your body to be able to do something that it's just not able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Because it can feel quite defeating when you're in your luteal phase. And before I started tracking my cycle, it was just like, why am I feeling like this? Like, mm-hmm. I, you, sometimes you don't even want to show up for the day, you know? And now yeah. it's when you're, when I started to learn more about my cycle and why that's happening, it makes it easier too. And like we're talking about acceptance and just giving yourself that time to rest. Super important. The other place it's been really valuable for me is in like my relationship with my husband. Mm -hmm. Because he kind of knows like, okay, this is sort of where she's at. He knows like, okay, this is just a part of her cycle where she's more easily agitated, not feeling her best. And so I'm just going to like, let her have the space, not sort of like, kind of no I don't want to say pick a fight but like it just makes it that communication a lot easier um which has been a really interesting thing and like really interesting to see him kind of like take that on and take take it on to understand and learn about it as well because I feel like it's made a difference for understanding our communication when he knows where I'm at yeah exactly and just being like hey I need some space I just want to be by myself I want to pour myself a bath or draw myself a bath I think that's the proper English but (laughs) so they know so that they give you that space so you don't feel like you want to you know smother them with a pillow at the end of the day (laughs) exactly yeah exactly (laughs) well that's great I love that I love that do you feel like there's anything else that you would like to share with the listeners regarding their menstrual cycle that there's something else that they We've covered so much ground and there's so much information in this episode, but is there anything else that you would like to mention? I think just that like healing your body and understanding your body is a work in progress and it can feel frustrating. There's, there's a lot of things that can impact your menstrual cycle. And sometimes I feel like when you start a health journey and you're not seeing those consistent results or you have a period where it it's pain is back, you're feeling like not as good, it's really easy to get down on yourself. And I just want people to know that that is a normal ebb and flow. Our bodies are not always going to be 100% perfect, even if we're putting in the work to try to support them. Sometimes you're going to have cycles like my last period, I was dying the my cramps were so bad and my period was kind of dysfunctional and it hasn't been like that in a long time 
And I've been working really hard on my hormones for the last two years. And so it's really easy to just feel like you're throwing all that progress out the window. So I totally can relate to that. But not every cycle is going to be a great cycle, no matter how hard you're working. And I think doing that is really important. And if you can do to show up, you have more better cycles than not good cycles, but it doesn't mean you're going to have perfect cycles every month. Mm, I love that. It's so true. And as we were saying about feeling defeated, it's easy to like fall into that little pit, especially when you walk into your period, because you're already so low in mood. And then you're like, have all these ghosts going on in your head. Yeah. And you're just feeling very defeated. You're like, oh my God, I've been doing all this work. It's not working, but everything, all the cycles are not going to look the same. So I think that's super important for the listeners to know too. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's great. Okay. Now we would like to know. What are you working on in your life right now, in your personal life? What are you working on? For my hormones or just in general? Just in general, your health. What do you work on to feel your absolute best? What are you working on right now? Um, I feel like I've tried lots of different things on my hormone journey over the last few years. Um, so right now I'm just working on actually doing less which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I've tried, I've literally done like so many supplements. I shouldn't start investing in, in stocks and supplement companies. I swear. Um, acupuncture, energy healing, pelvic physio, massage, Cairo, like counseling. I've done so many things. And I feel like at this point, I am just trying to let my body like kind of tell me what it needs um, instead of trying to like force it to heal through trying all these different things. Um, Because I feel like I got a little bit obsessed with like doing too much. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is possible in this sort of era that we live in of like health and wellness. Mm -hmm. You see something on Instagram and you're like, oh shit, I should try that. But healing, like we just talked about, takes a long time. And so I'm in a phase right now where I'm actually trying to kind of like slow down on the amount of appointments I felt like so overwhelmed by the number of appointments that I had mm-hmm. and the number of things that I was doing so I'm trying to just focus on like being healthy and happy and sort of letting my intuition and my body sort of tell me what it feels like it needs instead of trying to like force it to do what I think it should be doing and so I've dropped down a lot of my appointments I'm only going to acupuncture once a month I go for massage once a month. I see my social worker. I'm taking way less supplements. So I'm just focusing on trying to sleep well, trying to be like, be happy, enjoy my life, trying to find a better balance. So like really trying to, I feel like I'm in a season where I'm really trying to slow down. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so great. Thank you for sharing that. And it, yeah, it's so important to find that rest and just stillness, but as we're saying in the beginning, there's a lot of, you know, just go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. So yes. And it's also so important with all health related things. There can be such a thing as too much. And yeah. that also puts stress on the body, on our nervous system. So yeah, I think that's really good. Good for you, Lauren. Thank, Thank you for you. that. <laughs> okay. So how can the listeners support you and the work that you do for us? Um, just being, you know, you can come find me on Instagram and hang out and be part of that community. And I think the best way to support me and 
um, what I'm passionate about in general is just starting to get comfortable having those conversations Mm -hmm. um, because that is how we ultimately change the conversation around menstrual health, pelvic health is by feeling, by people feeling comfortable saying like, hey, I'm in my luteal phase. So I'm feeling kind of tired. I don't feel like making plans this weekend. And that's a valid reason to not go, but also kind of a cool thing to like be comfortable saying. And I know that can feel like a really big step. So, um, I mean, aside from hanging out with me on Instagram, it's really trying to, um, yeah, be lead by example, I guess is what I'm trying to say and, and be willing to maybe say some of those things. And you might be surprised at what types of conversations it opens up. Mm, definitely. And where can they find you on Instagram? What's your handle? My handle is pelvic physio by Laura. And I also have a website, which is pelvicphysiobylaura.com. So I have some blog posts and things up there. I actually wrote about my experience coming off of hormonal birth control. Um, so if anyone wants to hear my opinions about that, they're welcome to pop on over to my website and read that blog post. Um, and you can also always email me. I love connecting and chatting with people um, and happy to answer any questions. So if anyone wants to find me, slide into my inbox or my DMs. Great. And what's your, what's your, uh, what's your email? My email is pelvicphysiobylaura at gmail.com. Great. I will pop everything of that in the show notes as well, as well as the blog post. I know that a lot of people would love to read that blog post. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for all of the work that you do. All the work that you do is amazing. Laura and I actually met on Instagram and then she became my pelvic physio. And I think that everything that she do is just, oh, it's so good. She makes, thank you so much. She makes everything feel so much better, so much easier on this little challenging journey that many of us are on. <laughs> I'm so glad I met you. I'm so glad I met you too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Thank you and for having me. It, it's been such an enlightening conversation. And I know that many of the listeners, they will take so much information from this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having the space for this because these conversations are so important. I wish I'd had this type of podcast to listen to when I was 17. Thank you. And we'll definitely have you back on the podcast again because you have so much knowledge and there's so many things that we can talk about. Absolutely. Hey, if you love this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review on your podcast app and feel free to share it with someone that really needs to hear this today. Who knows? Maybe you will make their day their life a little bit easier.